before we, you know, end this moment, um, what are the things that we're proud about when it comes to our identity? And how do we um, take kind of control over that narrative in a way that is beneficial to us? Reclaiming an understanding of kind of what our history was and what that means for what we are doing now and how we can kind of propel that forward. How do you remain resilient? How do you kind of give yourself time, you know, and, and be patient with the institution? Like, how do we practically do that? Welcome to The Scholar 2023. My name is Sita Tan, and I'm the media editor for The Scholar magazine. This podcast episode was designed to accompany a Dyer and Maisha's written article, Futuring, Afrofuturism for Aftershocks, which is available on our website. In this piece and in our conversation today, we reflect on their work organising Trinity College's 2022 Black History Month celebrations. We hope this conversation will serve as a useful toolkit for other students hoping to organize in similar ways across the university and beyond. Adaya Hudgens-Lopez is a 2021 and 2022 Gates Scholar and a PhD student in social anthropology. Maisha Jemison is a 2021 Gates Scholar and a PhD student in the Department of History and the Philosophy of Science. Adaya and Maisha, welcome. To start off with, I wonder if you could tell me a bit more about some of the initiatives you organized in Trinity College for Black History Month. In your article, you mentioned this desire to marry our knowledge of where Trinity fails us with the concrete steps for Trinity to rise to the occasion. And I wonder if you could just reflect a little bit more about what that meant for you too as organizers. Thank you for that question. Um, I think when we first arrived to Trinity, uh, we were one just happy to find folks with shared identities and be able to kind of bring a part of us into the college space. When we walked into the university and, and also the college, I think there were uh, attempts on, on both ends to kind of celebrate what they saw as Black history, but what really didn't align with um, what we were thinking when it meant to celebrate our culture, celebrate our heritage, and celebrate our history. Um, and after spending kind of a year reflecting on that, uh, we knew that it would be really pivotal pivotal for um, the college, for folks like us to kind of step up in that role of organizing what it meant for them to, to recognize our culture and community, especially in ways that weren't just um, about, you know, universities trying to, you know, decolonize their work or um, trying to, you know, recognize the relationship with, with um, the transatlantic slave trade, but more so thinking about who are we, you know, in this moment, um, what are the things that we're proud about when it comes to our identity? And how do we um, take kind of control over that narrative in a way that is beneficial to us, but also recognizes the work that, you know, Black folks are doing, Black communities are doing that advances our work and not just the limited like representation that universities think about. Um, I think for us, that meant, you know, organizing a host of events that we felt were ways to celebrate um, culture and community, uh, but also leaning into the things that allowed us to celebrate our individual selves as well. Yeah, and I'll briefly, very briefly add um, that Wei and I were also very determined to give more space to the planning um, because the previous two years, the planning, you know, really didn't really get rolling until about September, right before the October of celebration. And so we wanted to really give, you know, a full like six months worth of thought and planning and, and collaboration within the college between students and between um, administrators as well. Um, to really think through how we could put together this kind of program that would you know give us more space to represent ourselves in, in, in more positive and, and kind of futuring uh, ways. Yeah, that leads really well to my next question, which is the fact that your theme for 2022 was Black Futures Innovation and Generation at Trinity. 
And I just wanted to know a little bit, to hear a little bit more about your reflections on what it means to participate in an agenda of futuring and how has this sort of shaped the work you've done within Trinity College? And I guess really, what does it mean to create spaces for futuring in an institution like Cambridge, in an institution like Trinity College? And what have some of the challenges been? I'm happy to to start with that, but I think this will be a, a kind of back and forth uh, where we kind of are generating it a bit um, as we're talking, because I do think like the term futuring is extremely broad. Um, and I think generally kind of is trying to get at the, the idea of um, what does it mean to work together to think through how we can grow as individuals and as a community as we move forward. Um, and so what does it mean to actually like put into practice intentional envisioning of, of what that looks like? And I think we both kind of felt like that was missing from the kind of previous celebrations of Black History Month. And we wanted to make that a more concrete element, a foundational element to the events that we were putting together. Um, and so for us, we I, we talk about it in the article that both of us are uh, huge uh, Octavia Butler fans, um, but also just generally are interested in kind of Afrofuturist thought and really love this kind of concept of where where are Black people in the future and, and how are they contributing and what does it mean to actually be um, in a space of innovation and, and creation and um, generation, right? All, all words that kind of think through what it what it means to create something new and to birth something new together and through, you know, through work and through kind of that collaboration. Um, so I think that's maybe a little bit uh, of insight into kind of what we're thinking with futuring, but I'm, I'm happy for Maisha to add additional thoughts. Yeah, no, thank you for, for starting us off there, Adaya. And I also say, like, as Adaya mentioned, we were both very big fans of Afrofuturism. And I think the broader title kind of came from Adaya's, like, mind. So I was really excited to kind of hear um, initially like the why we should focus on this idea of innovation, why this uh, generation has, you know, both a, you know, who, where have we come from and who are the people of God before us, but also what are we creating in this in this space as well? And, and how can we reimagine what that future looks like? I think one of the challenges that we uh, wanted to address is that often when um, especially in an academic sense, in particular within Cambridge, a lot of the scholarship, particularly from uh, white scholars, centers around uh, slavery. And that's their, you know, <laughs> small idea of what Black history is. And we found that to be really reductive, but also it missed the mark in other ways because people wanted to, you know, talk about these histories, but didn't want to have conversations around reparations and have real action around what it means to, to repair the relationship, but also to start to repair communities that were destroyed in some ways and, you know, resilient enough to um, move forward in others. So when we were thinking about this, we we wanted to focus on the people who have been creating and contributing to Black community, Black, pe Black people who were doing this, and really taking kind of like a pan-African um, approach to that as well. Because uh, <laughs> I remember, you know, being in the U.S., working on Black History Month um, work and, and recognizing that people focus exclusively on U.S. Black history and kind of expanding that to think about um, the Caribbean, to think about um, the African continent. And then coming to Cambridge and realizing that, you know, people weren't always thinking about Black American history um, and even recognizing that we had a culture and not realizing that, you know, some of us don't have a direct, you know, connection to the continent or to the Caribbean because of um, generations of, of enslavement. And so um, I think for us, we wanted to acknowledge that by paying um, honor to the people who have contributed to um, what we now see as our Black 
history, our Black culture, and our Black identity, while also um, bringing into light people who are re-envisioning what Blackness might look like generations from now, especially since um, that's more along the lines of, you know, where our space is, where young adults and, and trying to contribute in that way. Um, and then I think the the last part when we're thinking about, you know, what it means to create these spaces for featuring, I think we're thinking about that within, you know, our own kind of uh, community of the types of events we were hosting, but also just um, what it means just to have that sort of like celebration. And I think that is a, an important act of resistance as well. And so when it comes to this idea of like, you know, creating spaces for, for futuring, especially at a place like Trinity, uh, within the broader scope of, of Cambridge, we, we wanted to uh, create these spaces for essentially the Black joy and Black celebration. And I think we were able to do that through um, a trivia night, which brought not only people from the diaspora, but even, you know, folks who didn't have, you know, this Black identity and who honestly were learning through all the trivia questions, who were giving they're doing their best, uh, but, you know, it ended up being more of like a learning process for them instead of, you know, a, a reflection. But I think that that's important as well. Um, social events just for people to, to gather in that space. Um, and that brought in, we, we even, you know, had a couple of like alums who were coming in and, and being in that space. And so that was pretty exciting for us and some staff as well. Uh, and then I think the way we structured the formal, which is probably my favorite part of the, the events we hosted, thinking from the very like inception, how do we start planning for this like six months in advance? If I'm remembering correctly, Adaya, how do we, you know, partner with catering and design a menu that is very particular to like this um, Pan-African identity um, so that when people come to the event, they're recognizing the food because it reminds them of what they've had back home or what they, you know, make when they're missing home. Um, but also, you know, inviting in um, this more, uh, intentional kind of, as opposed to having a speech like like um, our first year, you know, having a performance and, you know, a diet kind of orchestrating, you know, that sort of like artistic approach to it as well. Yeah, I, I really want to hone in a little bit on this idea of intentional envisioning. And I just wanted to hear a little bit more about it and how you as organizers, as collaborators together, decided to choose to do a performance instead of a talk you know how were you making these changes what was going through your mind um in making those decisions and why is intentional envisioning and this planning because I think sometimes in Cambridge a lot of things feel quite rushed and um and then it it comes at the expense of the quality of what you're able to do and sometimes it feels a little bit intentional that, that some of these time constraints are put on certain projects so I just wondered yeah what if you could talk a little bit more from a you know thinking about people that might be wanting to reproduce this in their own college spaces or in their own departments what does it really mean to intentionally envision an event and give space to all of these sorts of discussions so um when Maisha and I were originally thinking about who we would want to join us maybe as guest speakers. I think we had this like plan of maybe doing like four panels and each one was going to be like a particular, like, you know, this one was going to be focused on like the nonprofit sector. This one was going to be business. This one was going to be arts. And, you know, we eventually were like, we should maybe narrow that a bit. Um, but we still kind of maintained this interest in thinking about what it means to be a, a Black citizen of the world, which means that you can contribute in a myriad of ways, right? You're not just going to go into this, you're not just going to go into science. People do all types of things. And so we wanted to, you know, give space for that type of um, interaction for people who have different who had different interests uh, in our programming. And so I think we tried to particularly bring in folks from um, 
a variety of backgrounds. So, uh, for example, during the the kind of Black History Month dinner, we had a poet come, um, and that that directly came from a, a desire to create a, a space of uh, belonging and creativity, and uh, you know, positive energy and and kind of reflection while while we're you know having dinner together, kind of communing together, this kind of idea of uh, cultivating Ubuntu, right? I am because we are. That, I think that was kind of one way in which we were able to keep this idea of intentionally envisioning like what it means to be Black in various spaces in, um, in our world. And I, I think um, we also had a panel where we had folks uh, who were, I think both of them were are kind of in the STEM profession, but also one of our speakers uh, is also a DJ part-time and he's kind of a, a, a fixture of the Black community in Cambridge um, because he, he grew up here for a bit and then has come back here as, as a professional. And so, um, and, you know, he's raising his family here. And so I think being able to kind of include people who have like a really, um, one, like a huge impact on our community um, and two, have this kind of, you know, diverse background of, you know, creativity and, and science and really uh, brilliant, intelligent people as well who have, you know, are a part of our Cambridge community. That was important to us. Um, and so I think we were intentional about trying to bring that space together for, for folks so that, you know, students who are, joining the events, whether they are Black or not, you know, can see one, the kind of contributions of, of Black people in Cambridge, but two, really think through what it actually means to uh, engage with people of these, of who have various experiences and can contribute in different ways. Yeah, I think I, I'll, I'll second everything that uh, Adaya um, has said, but also give Adaya credit because our poet, <laughs> Shanika Benjamin, who was Croydon's first poet laureate, was completely like Adaya's brainchild. So I was very excited uh, for Shanika to come and perform, but also I think having her perform at the dinner, but also be part of the dinner, you know, just joining, you know, the rest of the attendees was, I think, it, it felt like that part of the event really tied all the pieces together, not only from the topics that she discussed, which a lot of people resonated with. You heard a lot of snaps. Um, she was talking about, you know, Caribbean identity, talking about food, talking about all these things across um, the diaspora because she did a, a number of poems. And so it was just really beautiful to see um, how that just felt like, it just felt like a big hug in terms of, you know, how we were existing in that space. Beyond that, uh, one of the things we kind of allowed ourselves to do was to um, explore different ideas beyond what was the traditional conception of how Black History Month was uh, celebrated, but also realize like, oh, maybe we thought this would work. Um, it's not working. Let's pivot and do something else that we think is beneficial. Oh, we've realized people really like this event. Let's do, let's make sure we, you know, keep consistent with our other one. Um, uh, people aren't as interested in, you know, academic panels. Okay, how do we switch this to, you know, have a different, um, a different format? And I think that's, that is so important. And I think something that universities or institutions largely miss because they're so set on their particular agenda that they forget that the work that they're doing is in service to the community as opposed to, you know, just something for them to check off as, you know, they've done this thing for, you know, Black people or, or for diversity. But you have to be incredibly responsive to like the folks you're trying to serve, but also, you know, have an open ear to the things that they're interested in. And I think we were able to kind of navigate that uh, pretty successfully. And I, I think that was one of the, the more beneficial aspects of, of our work is knowing that we're doing this and it's hard work and it's unpaid work, 
but we're, we know that it's having an impact because people are coming back and telling us how great the event is. It's because one of the attendees from a panel ended up being put on a podcast because uh, he made a really good connection with one of the panelists. It means, you know, another attendee ended up being at, you know, high table with, with a different, you know, person they met at one of our events. And so the ways that people are building these connections and having clear, positive, like results or outcomes from the work we're doing lets us know that we're headed in the right direction. Yeah. And I'll also really quickly add um, this. There's also there was also like intentional envisioning and thinking through how we're intentionally building on what came before us as well. Right. So that concept of Sankofa that we talk about going back and retrieving it, really like reclaiming our, an understanding of kind of what our history was and what that means for what we are doing now and how we can kind of propel that forward. Um, we really intentionally continued the kind of Black History Month exhibition and dinner that preceded us, right? So that was the main form of Black History Month celebration in the two years prior to us building building this this next iteration that we're talking through right now. Um, and we felt that it was important to continue that one because that was kind of recognizably what the Black History Month celebration would look like, and that was kind of a way that made it legible to college and legible to other students. They kind of knew what that was, but also we felt like it was important to kind of honor and and kind of um, continue the kind of cultivation of community that predated us as well. And so we um, we brought back the same photographers, same printer, same everything um, for the exhibition um, that we that we did. Maybe you know we changed the theme, we changed the orientation a bit more, um, had a different type of uh, engagement with that and that framing. But, you know, we still really wanted to bring, you know, the kind of first year or fresher students together and, and ask them, hey, do you want to be featured here? How do you how, how do you think about what Black Futures looks like as you're kind of entering the space of Trinity, right? Because I think that's an important thing too, right? Like Maisha said, we, we came to Trinity um, as Gates scholars, right? Like at the beginning of the year and immediately it was Black History Month, right? And so like, oh, okay, what does all of that mean together? Um, how do I process what I'm doing entering this space? Um, also thinking through what it means to be a part of the Black community in Trinity at Cambridge and beyond that. Um, so there was like kind of an intentional envisioning of actually building on what came before us as well. Yeah, I really love that. I love what you said earlier in, in the conversation about thinking about the double meaning of generation as a looking back and a looking forward. And I think, you know, it comes across really strongly in everything you've been describing, um, honoring the kind of legacies that came before and creating pathways or creating space for for future future generations of black students to kind of exist within um something I really wanted to pick up was this idea my issue that you brought up that um certain types of organizing are sometimes quite difficult in the university because of these sort of structural ways of doing things so you mentioned the fact that your project really hinged on this reflective responsive community-based dialogical process of organization and that there are certain systems and procedures and institutional constraints that sometimes don't facilitate that kind of dialogue and I was just wondering if you both could reflect a little bit on how you practically navigated and negotiated various institutional constraints when executing these projects? Um, yeah, we navigated it with patience, <laughs> with endurance. <laughs> I, I think it was really challenging. And I, I sometimes I think when people see the finished product of something, they don't realize how much work or just how much frustration went into it. Um, and even for us, like seeing the events that we planned come to fruition was really exciting um, to see how people were enjoying it. But at the same time, you also remember how difficult it was to like navigate getting to that space. And I think one of the 
bigger challenges um, just with doing things within Trinity, things within the university, um, is that they cling so much to tradition, and that tradition is grounded in process, and that process is also often met with a lot of bureaucracy. Um, and because they have these particular processes um, that were likely developed ages ago um, in an environment where likely there weren't even Black people at, you know, Trinity or a limited number of, you know, Black people at the university broadly, it can it can be really difficult um, because you're making these processes at a time that you weren't even considering, you know, the folks that are <laughs> trying to, you know, do this work today. I think that was like one of the, the biggest things that I recognized because it meant that we often had to kind of shift the language of how we talked about something, even if, you know, the core of it was essentially the same. Um, so that, you know, as Adai said, it was legible to the university or legible to the institution. Um, and I think that can sometimes be frustrating because you're having you're having to, you know, develop these big ideas and, and execute on, you know, putting up an exhibition and working with printers and working with a photographer and working with XYZ funding, you know, pipelines through the university or through the college. And then also, you know, doing ticket sales and advertising. There's so many moving parts. And when um, you also have to kind of go back and forth about things that you didn't see as, you know, <laughs> that big of a deal that are really important to, you know, the processes that they value, it can be a bit frustrating and feel like sometimes the process is valued over the product or even over the people who are um, trying to produce. And I think that came off in, in a lot of ways. Like previously, we'd wanted, we had wanted to um, do a bit of like some archival work um, to understand, uh, you know, or and just to recognize other, you know, Black previous like Trinity Cantabs that might have been at the university before we even got there because, you know, our exhibition primarily focused on the students who were present or, you know, recent graduates um, because they participated in previous years. And I think while it's exciting to be able to honor them and to, you know, allow them to speak on their relationship to Trinity and, you know, and how they're experiencing, you know, Black History Month or Black community within Trinity, um, but I think it's another thing to be able to, you know, as our theme says, to be able to look back to that, you know, those previous generations. And I think that what we thought was just a simple, you know, get a, re get a couple of uh, research associates to kind of like handle this work and, uh, you know, set these clear goals and, you know, be able to um, identify or even identify potential previous um, Black students and then go through a more rigorous process of actually like confirming that before including them in um, in the exhibition and the amount of kind of like pushback we got from that because there was a particular process the college wanted to go about that one felt like it was I think it was a bit prohibitive in terms of like the time frame we, we were looking at and the type of work we wanted to do but I think also it was a bit surprising to me that there were so many strong views about how we should go about this project from people who were outside of black community but also if you have such strong views why hadn't anyone done this before <laughs> um so that that part was a bit um frustrating in terms of, of, of navigating that and it kind of ended up to the Point where we had to determine whether the amount of pressure or like stress or extra work that would add to us was actually, you know, beneficial for the community. And we really determined that it wasn't. Um, and that if we really wanted to do this work, we would, you know, go about different pathways or we would, you know, really hold the, the college um, accountable to doing the labor themselves instead of assigning it to, to students, but also regulating and kind of, you know, tying our hands at how we did it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another thing I'll add is more specifically, like, push on the point that Maisha said about the bureaucracy, like, 
it was extremely opaque. You know, who are we supposed to talk to about what? Oh, you should talk to this person about this. Actually, you probably need to loop in this person if you want to do this particular thing. Um, and we're like, who are these people? Like, what is their function in the college? And <laughs> okay, sure. You know, we'll reach out to them. We're happy to do that, right? But the more people you're including in, in that kind of a process uh, for, for you to usually pretty minor things, like it might be a thing where they just need to flip the switch. You know, that adds time, that adds labor, that adds confusion, potential confusion to, you know, there's a lack of clarity as to what's being actually communicated and what the actual outcome needs to be. And so I think that was particularly difficult if you're kind of thinking through how that applies to kind of each event that you're kind of creating, um, especially the newer events that like the panels that we wanted to do, that we that we ended up doing um, and the roundtable that we that we wanted to do and um, the dinner. And it, it ended up being like the path of least resistance were the ones that were previously established, <laughs> which was the exhibition. And um, as you know, the, as my just said, that focused more on uh, current students rather than kind of the alum that we wanted to kind of initially include in there um, and, and the Black History Month dinner. Um, but the, the other kind of avenues of, of community building that we that we wanted to create were it was it was a lot more difficult just literally practically to to figure out who to talk to about what and when. Yeah, I mean, I think what you've both pointed out is just very, very resonant with general perspectives on what it takes to do anything in this institution. And I, I think a lot about the way that the decentralization of the the university, the bureaucracy, its adherence to tradition, all of these things make it incredibly difficult to maneuver within. And I think this also sort of leads on to my next question, which is, you know, at the moment we have, and my issue, I'm pretty sure you mentioned this earlier, we have this momentum to quote unquote decolonize the university. And specifically, a lot of colleges are jumping on that bandwagon, in particular after the legacies of enslavement inquiry, and are in this process of recalibrating their images. And, uh, you know, you see it with the old library exhibitions, for example, and attempt to kind of expose some of the skeletons in their closet, but for a certain amount of time and in a certain way. Um, and I was just wondering how you both in organizing these events and more generally in your in your work and in your vision of resistance, how you negotiated the way that the institution itself attempts to co-opt or curate its representation via your work. And if you faced any particular moments of frustration regarding that. Yeah. I think it's it's a very tricky kind of line to to, to navigate, especially because in some ways you you do want to partner with the university um, primarily for resources, particularly financial, and then sometimes even for um, communications or like advertising. And I think in other ways you have to recognize when it's a partnership and when you're part of, you know, an organization's kind of PR moment. And so I think that, you know, ha having to, you know, wonder people's like, you know, intentions or just having to be really explicit about the narrative that you want to share um, in the work that you're doing and taking ownership of that work uh, instead of recognizing this as just like the institutional thing is really important. And so I think even, you know, when we're thinking about the people who are like involved in the work and actually doing it, like making sure that you're honoring them and not just kind of seeing this work as, you know, a broadly like Trinity College is doing this because actually it's this group of five students <laughs> who are who are doing this work. And it's it's important to, to recognize that. I think also as uh, Adaya said, for us, it's important to like recognize the students who were like involved in this work initially. And like one of them is um, Winnie Blendlovu, who was like previously um, president of the 
African Caribbean society who kind of like really got the university going about celebrating um, Black History Month and, you know, laying that foundation for the work that we're doing now. So when we're thinking about, you know, the events that previously existed that maybe we're tweaking and improving on, but like we're already there, we're thinking about the exhibition, um, profiling these, these Black students. Um, and then we're also thinking uh, about the the formal that celebrating the Black students and Black heritage, but that, you know, we shifted in a lot of ways to like really focus that intention, but also make sure that the people who were involved with this work and the Black students are able to attend. So I think the one we attended our first year, like Black students were in the minority. And I think I knew all of them. It was mostly our table, which is, you know, a group of like mutual friends, a couple of our guests, but it was really surprising to see that this is something that's supposed to be celebrated Black history and Black students, and most of the folks here are um, not Black. And I don't even recall seeing very many, you know, Black faculty there either, um, if there were any at all. And so um, when it comes to making sure that the university isn't leveraging our work to recalibrate their image, um, I think it comes in terms of how we talk about our work. So when we're at the formal, we're acknowledging the previous work, we're acknowledging the students who were involved, we're thinking catering because we know how, you know, much, you know, work it is for people to come in and be serving um, students, particularly students who aren't always, you know, gracious or, or grateful. It, it comes in the form of honoring the people who have come before us. It comes in the form of um, maybe recognizing individual members of the college who have been helpful, who have been instrumental, but it, it it comes in also recognizing that this is our work. It's something that's happening at Trinity, but it's not something that's owned by Trinity. And so I think that that part has been helpful. And then when it comes to more so like how it's discussed more broadly, it means that, you know, when there are going to be publications put out, like we have that opportunity to revise those and make sure the language aligns with what actually happened. Um, but also that, you know, we don't get written out of that story. And then I think it also comes in terms of being, I think, really intentional about the stipulations of, you know, the partnerships we have with various members of the college. Yeah, and I, I want to take a moment to kind of go back to something we, that Maisha mentioned kind of at the beginning of our conversation, which was um, an intentional kind of desire to move away from the university and the college's uh, Trinity College's kind of tendency to think about slavery and the legacy of slavery in relation to Black History Month. And we were really interested in thinking through what it means to have Black History Month on our terms, right? And so there's a history of Blackness that predated slavery, right? There's a history of Blackness that's existed after slavery, right? And so really thinking about what does it mean to actually think about what it means to be Black and contributing to the world and contributing to the college and figuring out what we want to do in our lives, you know, as, as we are students as well, without the kind of push from the institution to really think through like a very particular relationship, which is really important to acknowledge, but not necessarily uh, should be the central point of kind of bringing people together. Where where do we find the joy and the creativity and the excitement that, that comes with just, you know, being a member of the Black community, the Pan-African community at, at Cambridge? And, and, and what does that mean for how we can think about what will contribute to the world? Um, I think that that was really important for us. And I think also that kind of helped us to think through the creation of uh, the Black History Month kind of syllabus, the Afrofuturist syllabus that um, was really Maisha's brainchild. And I was so happy to go along with that. <laughs> it was really amazing to put together just a collection of, of work and, and, and uh, academic thought that centralizes Black experience and Blackness and, and, and actually puts into practice this kind of futuring, this intentional envisioning, this community building, this kind of operating and understanding um, what it means to be Black on 
the terms of black folks. I think that that was really important for us to be able to do that and to also feel like, you know, we, we want to put this out here to add more context for why we're doing what we're doing and so that people can better understand why we're using terms like Sankofa and Ubuntu and uh, innovation and generation, which sounds extremely vague, right? Thinking about what black futures is, but you know, it's really important. Um, and this is why in particular, it's important to think, to think about the relationship between this kind of Afrofuturist literature, Afrofuturist uh, academic thought, thinking about and engaging with Blackness on our own terms as students here. And, and you know, what does it mean to actually engage in, in this in a creative way? Um, as a discussion that we that we can all be a part of. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. That's uh, lots of food for thought. I guess my final question is, um, I was wondering if you had any advice uh, that you would give to other students who are hoping to engage in similar work or, you know, even what would you have done differently next time? You know, I imagine a lot of students come across as you get this pushback, you know, you get this sort of worry from the institution about optics or this attempt to kind of curate the event. And I'm wondering really practically, you know, what can you do? How do you remain resilient? How do you kind of give yourself time, you know, and and be patient with the institution? Like, how do we practically do that? Yeah, I think um, there are a couple of things that that come to mind, and one of them is based off of something Adaya just said about uh, kind of Blackness on our own terms. Um, I was surprised throughout the process how many times there would be someone at the college who wanted to insert some sort of talk on slavery after we clearly, you know, shared our theme, after we pushed back. And I'm just like, I don't know how many ways to tell you no. Um, <laughs> especially when I've, you know, not only, you know, like made this clear, but also shared with you the context behind why. It can be really frustrating because sometimes that's people trying to push their own motive, like their own academic work, um, and not even thinking about like, oh, they're here are these students trying to celebrate, you know, Black History Month. How can I be of service to them? Like, how can I, you know, leverage my resources, my privilege to benefit them? But instead, it's, you know, how can I kind of piggyback off of this for my own benefit to say I was involved with this thing? And so I think, especially when students are coming into the space where you feel like you don't have a lot of agency, recognizing that, like, you do have the ability to say no and you can push back um, and you can like articulate why you're pushing back when you think it's appropriate because people will people will try you and sometimes they do it not out of like not necessarily trying to fight actively against you but just sometimes out of ignorance and that's not an excuse but I think it's important to kind of recognize like when they don't know versus when okay like Hmm, if we switch the conversation and frame it this way, then this might be a partner. And I think that's like incredibly helpful. So like standing your ground, having agency, recognizing that you do have, you know, power within that, you know, vicinity to curate this event and make sure it's actively and intentionally exactly what you want it to be. And then at the same time, it's important to be able to navigate the relationships with partners. So I think, I don't know who this quote comes from, but I heard it at a conference before and it's like no permanent friends, no permanent enemies. Um, and it's like a, a more straightforward or blunt way of saying that, you know, you have to know how to leverage different relationships at different times. And you can, you know, show up and defend yourself in spaces without having to, you know, have a fight with someone. And so for us, sometimes it's like recognizing like, hmm, this initial goal that I had of working with this person isn't going to work, but there's something else that we can do that'll be beneficial for the month. Or um, sometimes this person has a lot of questions, not because they're trying to challenge, but because they really just don't know. And so let's hop on and 
meeting. So even when we're thinking about things like Trinity is not accustomed to cooking soul food, to cooking, you know, West African food, to cooking Caribbean food, but that's exactly what we had at the formal. And we know, we knew that that was going to be something challenging because it's different space. And so even, you know, building out like a spreadsheet of options for them to choose from, working with them on the menu, sending them the specific recipes that, <laughs> that we actually know work, um, and then allowing them to do their thing was much more helpful than, you know, going directly to them and criticizing them for like what we didn't like at XYZ formal or XYZ dinner. Um, and so like knowing how to navigate those relationships. And now I think we have a very good relationship with um with with catering, one that like we look forward to kind of continuing. We hope that is continually beneficial for Black History Month. Um, but we know that, you know, this is a group or like a body on, you know, within the college that's kind of already shown up for us in, in a really um, impactful way. Yeah, um, I, I really love what Maisha just said about making sure that you understand your agency in the situation, being unafraid to push back. I think there were quite a few moments of conversations where folks weren't necessarily like, super excited about one of our suggestions about something, the way something should be amended or created. And there are moments where you have to kind of think through, okay, to how much, how much will I kind of bend and, and acquiesce to this request is is it a reasonable request is this actually going to be beneficial to the actual overall creation of this event I, I think it's just really easy to just do what people ask you to do regardless of what you're actually trying to do yourself as people put it, kind of putting together an event so I think that it's important to recognize that agency that you have and I think that that also comes back to this kind of thing about being legible as well right so it's important to be able to balance it as Maisha was just saying um, and so one thing that we're, we're, we're excited about, we're interested to see how it goes, um, is the kind of creation of the Black History Month Society, Trinity. Um, and so it was suggested to us multiple times over the year as we were kind of, or the six months that we were planning to kind of establish a society. Um, one, to make sure that this there's there are people, there are students who are dedicated to kind of making sure that these events happen every year. But two, it makes it so much easier to request funds from the college because we we had we had quite a long period of back and forth about, you know, what exactly was going to be in this budget while we were also simultaneously trying to plan all of these events. And so having a society in the eyes of the college makes it easier for them to just, you know, green light giving us funds uh, as long as we have reasonable budget requests and they don't have to kind of debate the kind of actual formation of all of the events every single year, you know, a fight that's reiterated. So I think Maisha and I are interested to see how that goes with kind of the next kind of committee of, of folks who are interested in, in putting together Black History Month fraternity. But yeah, that, that was something that came from moments of, of, you know, tension where we were kind of trying to figure out how do we navigate this institutional relationship where we, where we want to do our own thing, but also we kind of want to make sure that we're partnering with the institution because, you know, if they're accepting Black students, they should be interested as, as much as students in cultivating a community where, where Black students feel comfortable and, and celebrated and like, like they can actually, you know, articulate, you know, who they are and, and what they're interested in doing. Um, so I think that that's something to, to consider as well. Like what, what, in what ways can you actually work with the institution, even if it pushes against your own kind of instincts to, you know, not put more, for example, labor on students to, to actually do the work. Um, sometimes it's, it's, it's important to think through the kind of strategic aspect of it all. Yeah, I just wanted to give you both um, some time if you had any further reflections that perhaps my questions didn't cover, if there was anything else you wanted to add or anything that um, you feel like is really important that we missed. 
I think it's it's been an interesting journey of kind of being in the moment planning and then being on the other side of all of the kind of planning and the actual events taking place. And I, I, I would like to acknowledge that we, we did have a lot of really helpful partners within Trinity College who helped us to put together this event. And so I think the conversation that we're having is not so much about individuals as much as like really reflecting on the creation of this particular bureaucracy within the college that made it difficult to kind of expand, build on and expand the events that typically took place to celebrate Black History Month. Um, and so I think that that's important to say here, you know, we're not feeling anti, right? It's it's more about thinking crit critically about how the work can continue to grow and be better while also making sure that that relationship with the institution is, is, is in balance. I'll second what uh, Adaya shared. I think it was my first experience working, doing something at Cambridge that required me to work so um, closely with the college itself. And I think navigating kind of like the politics of that um, is not something I'm unaccustomed to. Like before here's in more of a corporate space and so I'm used to kind of this institutional bureaucracy, but I think kind of navigating it um, around a month or like a celebration that's so kind of like close to identity um, made it that much more challenging because it's it's not just your work that's being challenged, it's also kind of the, the way you're trying to show up in the space and the way you're trying to take up space for um, other Black students is, is being challenged in some ways. Uh, so I think I learned kind of a lot about um, what it means to kind of like navigate working with uh, Trinity. I think we have a lot of wisdom to pass on to the folks that take up this work next. But I think overall, uh, in recognizing some of the the challenges and then some of the the beauty of what we were able to produce um, is is what we shared here. Um, I think I'd also add just more so about the advice to other students. We mentioned this a bit, but we started early with our planning. Um, we started planning six months before Black History Month, and I think that gave us the space to. Uh, the space and a bit of the freedom to kind of imagine like how we might want it to exist, but also um, an opportunity to develop a case to show to the college about like why we wanted to do this work. And then also enough freedom and time to execute on that work well. Uh, and then I think the last thing I'll say is a lot of the institutions that students are trying to do this work within have a lot of money but they are often very stingy with that money or very particular about how they allocate it. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why it's important to start early um, so they can intentionally include you in their, their budgets. Um, but I think it's also um, a reminder to kind of challenge them to expand that wallet a little wider um, so that they're able to contribute impactfully to, to the work you're trying to do. And in our case, um, the full budget that we intended wasn't met, but we had an increased budget from what we previously uh, saw, and we were able to put that budget to good use. And because we we're able to put it to good use, I think that helps position us um, in the future and position future students in the future to, like, one, be able to maintain that budget, but perhaps to be able to expand it for um, other beneficial work as well. And I don't think we actually talked much about this, um, but I, th I think it's important for students to make sure that they have the right allies. And I'm not just talking about in the institution, but like our Black History Month committee was like really on it. We had um, both members, uh, both BME officers from the um, TCSU and the um, BA Society, which is uh, Trinity's versions of the MCR and the JCR um, on our committee who were able to actively help one put together 
some of the the more social events um, that we had, but also were able to you know draw from their budgets to you know support actual students coming together and having fun in a, in a social setting, which I think the college you know felt like that's where actually the money should be coming from to actually support that. So it's important to have find your allies in 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 other spaces, other student allies who may maybe wouldn't necessarily be included in this work. And we also had like, you know, other students who who were on the committee as well, um, who were just literally interested in putting together the events. And we really thank them for just their generosity of time. And I think also like it's important to make sure that, you know, there's actual partnership within that committee too. And so it's been amazing to work. It was amazing to work with Maisha. It's been amazing to continue to work with Maisha on various things. But I think that's because we kind of were friends before and we kind of knew what strengths either each person had and could balance it and you know we were able to kind of really be creative in our thinking about what we wanted to do for Black History Month because we knew each other and we knew um, and we could trust each other as partners um, as the kind of co-leaders of this but you know I think it's important to really think through who you're pulling together as allies um, when you're trying to put together events like this. Yeah, no, thank you so much. Thank you for such a, a wonderful, thought-provoking, energizing conversation and, and for sharing just your experience, your knowledge. I think it's going to be incredibly helpful to other people who are hoping to do similar kinds of work, um, both within and beyond the institution. I have an enormous amount of respect for you both. Yeah, I just think it's it's really, it's always, these conversations always feel really empowering to me. So thank you very much for your time today. Thanks, Sita. Our pleasure. Thank you for having us. <laughs>